Good evening. Good evening. You know what? I've went nuts. You went what? I've went nuts. I forgot to turn the microphone off. Oh, okay. Sing real loud so they hear us. I thought I was going crazy there for a second. Huh? Well, she's drove me crazy. So. Oh, yeah. If you would, open your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 13. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 18. Now, last time we looked at Revelation, we saw that a war took place in heaven and Satan was cast out with all of his angels, and they were cast to the earth. And an angel pronounced a woe on the earth. And we're going to be seeing why that woe was pronounced. Now remember, this is at the midpoint of the tribulation. And what happens is when Satan and his angels are cast to the earth, Satan starts to persecute Israel. And the Jews flee their homeland. Then what we see is John's vision changes. And this change in his vision, we are introduced pretty much more to the satanic trinity of the Antichrist and the false prophet and Satan or the dragon, as he's called here. So we are introduced to this satanic trinity, and more information is given, but the information that is given pretty much shows what is going to take place at that midpoint of the tribulation. So look at Revelation 13, verses 1 through 18. It's written, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seed and great authority. And I saw one of the, his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. 
And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that all as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save that he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. And his number is six hundred threescore and six. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you, just ask your blessings upon the reading of your word. Just be with us tonight, Lord, as we worship. Just give us an understanding into your word, an insight into your word, and help us just to take what we learn and apply it into our daily walk. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with us, be with those that are sick and shut in, those who cannot make it tonight. Just bless them as well, Lord, and just watch over us and guide us as we worship. And just bind down Satan and let him no part of this service. We just ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, John, when his vision changes, he says he is now standing on the sand of the sea. And as he stands on the sand of the sea, he sees a beast coming up out of the sea. And... The sea referred to here is the Mediterranean Sea. The word that is used in the Greek is the same word for sea that was used to reference the Mediterranean. So he sees this beast come out of the Mediterranean Sea, and what that infers is that the Antichrist will be of the people that made up the Roman Empire. He will be Roman or in one of those countries, from one of those countries that made up the Roman Empire, a descendant of that. Daniel calls him the prince of the people that shall come as a reference to him being out of that Roman Empire. And when John sees this beast, there's very specific things that he sees here. He says that the beast has seven heads and ten horns, and on the horns, ten crowns. 
If you look at Revelation chapter 17, you see ten kings being mentioned. Specifically in verses 12 through 13, you see these ten kings mentioned. And these ten kings give their power to Antichrist. John also sees, if you look at what he says, the name of blasphemy on these seven heads. And that, we'll see, comes into focus a little later because the Antichrist speaks great blasphemy. He's blasphemous in what he does. But then look at what he says. He says that the Antichrist, this, this beast that he sees, which represents the Antichrist, the body is like a leopard. Now why would the body be like a leopard? It's because he takes over everything very quickly. Just as if you look back at Daniel, Daniel said that he saw a leopard with wings that represented Alexander the Great in the Greek Empire, how he took over everything very quickly. This body is like a leopard. It takes over, he takes over very quickly. And then he says that the feet were as the feet of a bear. What's the most powerful thing on a bear? It's feet, it's paws. The Antichrist has great power in what he does. He has this power to take over the earth. He's strong because all of the militaries will be under his control. So he's very strong and powerful. And that's what that represents. And then it says he has the mouth of a lion. Basically, he devours everything that he sees as a lion devours its prey. He's going to devour everything that he sees. And we see this because if you look down, it says that the dragon is who gives him power. His power comes from Satan. Now, remember... What we see during this time, what pretty much what Paul tells us, that the restraining force of the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way. So Antichrist takes over and he's unrestrained in what he does. God is allowing this to happen. He allows this to happen. So Antichrist will give him pretty much all the power that he, or Satan will give Antichrist all the power that he has on the earth. All the authority that he has on the earth. He'll give him his seat. Pretty much just how Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He's going to give that seat to Antichrist. But then look at verse 3, at what it says. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Something is going to happen to the Antichrist. Whether he is assassinated or someone tries to assassinate him, something happens to him. And this wound is a wound unto death. He dies. Now remember who's just been kicked out of heaven. Satan. 
Satan is going to miraculously heal the Antichrist. But think about something. Can Satan give life? No. Only God can give life. Satan can possess. And that's what Satan does. He possesses the body of the Antichrist. And I believe that's what he does. And this restores the Antichrist to life. Pretty much, you're just going to have a shell of a body possessed by Satan. But people are going to think that the Antichrist resurrected. Pretty much, he's mimicking the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He wants people to worship him. And that's what happens. It says that people start to worship the dragon. And they worship the Antichrist. So Satan gets the worship he's always desired. He gets the whole world to worship him because he fakes a resurrection, imitating the resurrection of Christ. And people start to worship him. Now, what we see here is, is what happens after this. They start to say who is like the beast and who is able to make war with him and then the Antichrist, who is under control of Satan at this time, starts to blaspheme God. Now, Paul tells us how he blasphemes God. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, it says that the Antichrist goes into the temple of God and declares himself to be God. That's how he blasphemes God. He says he's God. And he wants all that worship. And it says that he, blas he speaks blasphemy against God, against the name of God, the temple in heaven, and all that dwell in heaven. Pretty much this Satan-controlled Antichrist starts to blaspheme everything about God. But he doesn't stop there. Remember, he hates God and everything about God. He's been cast out of heaven. So what he does is he starts to make war with the saints. Now, look at what it says in verse 7. It was given unto him to make war. It's given unto him. God allows it. It's given unto him to make war. He can't do anything against the saints of God unless it's allowed. Remember, God had to allow Satan to do the things he did to Job. God had to allow it. God allows this to take place. So what happens is, is he is given power to make war with the saints, and pretty much what happens is, if you look, it says, and to overcome them. He kills them. They're martyred. Now these are the people that do become Christian during this time. 
the very few that become Christian during this time, they're martyred. They're killed by the Antichrist. Yet, we also see that during this time of great tribulation, that he's also given power over all the earth. Satan is given power over all, everything. The Antichrist controls everything on the earth during this time. All people. And look at what it says. All that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. But then look at what John writes. These are the people whose names are not written in the book of life. From the foundation of the world. Remember, God's in control of everything. He knows who's going to be saved and who's not going to be saved. And those names were written in the book of life before he ever created the earth. And he knows who's going to worship the Antichrist and who is not going to worship the Antichrist. But then look at what John writes after that in verse 10 we see that God is going to avenge the death of his saints. And that's what this means here. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. So pretty much what John is saying is, is this is what should sustain the faith of those that are persecuted during this time or persecuted at all times throughout history. This should sustain those that are persecuted. The people that are persecuting the Christians are going to pay. God is going to avenge his saints. And the people that are killing the Christians during the time of the tribulation, he's going to avenge those saints that are killed. And he says this is the patience and the faith of the saints. So what we see here is the beast, the Antichrist, and how he is given all this power and how he is possessed by Satan. But then John sees another vision the vision changes. He sees another beast, and this beast comes out of the earth. The earth here represents Israel. It represents Israel. So some believe that the false prophet will mimic a Jewish priest. He's going to be the priest of the Antichrist, the high priest. He's going to mimic the work of the Holy Spirit in pointing people to worship Antichrist. Now, whether he is Jewish or of Jewish descent doing this, or whether he is Roman descent and doing this, we are not told. But where it mentions the earth, pretty much he is going to represent that priestly office. He's going to mimic a Jewish priest and point people to worship Antichrist. And that's what it says here. And look at what it says. 
this beast, it says he has two horns like a lamb. So he looks like a lamb, but he has horns. Do lambs have horns? Little baby lambs? No. A ram has horns, not a little baby lamb. So he's going to look like a little lamb, but he's going to have horns. And he's going to have his speech or speak as a dragon. Basically, he's going to speak what Satan tells him to speak. That's what that means. He's going to be a wolf in sheep's clothing. Or a devil in sheep's clothing, if you will. So he's going to look harmless, but he's going to speak what Satan puts in his mouth. And he's going to point everybody to worship the Antichrist, just as we are you know, pointed to worship Christ by the Holy Spirit, he's going to mimic that. This is the satanic trinity. He's going to act like a priest. He's going to act like the Holy Spirit and try to point people to worship Antichrist who mimics Christ. And then you have Satan as the father figure. So the false prophet, if you look at what it says, he exercises all the power of the first beast. So Satan gives him power as well. He exercises power as the first beast and he causes the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So basically once Antichrist is resurrected, the false prophet is telling people, hey, worship him. Worship him because he's God. But then look at what happens. Satan gives him power to work miracles or perceived miracles. It says he makes fire come down from heaven onto the earth and the side of men. Remember, angels are powerful. And with Satan, you have the most powerful angel that was ever created. So he's going to work miracles. But then look at what it says in about these miracles and deceiveth them. Notice that. Did Christ work miracles to deceive people? No. Because through his miracles, he was trying to get people to worship God and to show that he was the Messiah. The false prophet does it to deceive people into worshiping Satan. So he deceives the people on the earth by the means of the miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. Notice that. He does it in the sight of the beast. The power is not his. It comes from the beast who is possessed by Satan. So he has to be in the side of the beast to do it. Remember, this is all a big lie. This is the big lie that's going on. 
So he has to be inside of Satan, dwelling in the Antichrist to do this. And then he's saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast, like Nebuchadnezzar's image, and they should worship that image. An image of the beast which was wounded by a sword and did live, and then look at what it says. He gives power, he has power to give life to the image. So basically, another miracle that's done to give power or life to this image to make people worship the Antichrist. Now, remember, Satan cannot create life. So what is he doing? This image is going to be possessed as well. It's going to be possessed. And it causes this image to speak. And, but look at what it also says. The people that do not worship the image, because there's going to people, be people that do not worship the image, he has them killed. So what we see here is a Satan is trying to take total control over everything on the earth. Why? Because he's going to try to continue to destroy Israel and he's going to fight against God at the Battle of Armageddon. That's what he's preparing for. And to do that, he's got to take total control over everything to amass his army. Because we're about to head into the Great Tribulation. So he's doing this to take total control and have total control over all the people on the earth. And we see how he does this more. The, through the false prophet, it says he causes all, both small and great, to take the mark of the beast. The mark is the emblem of total control. Because the people will willingly take this mark. Some of them. And the people that don't are killed. Now I want you to think about something. When you think about the mark of the beast, again, this happens at the midpoint of the tribulation. That's when it comes out. The midpoint of the tribulation. But God is a God of foreshadowing. The technology already exists. And we see it. I mean, think about something. What's one thing that has happened to credit cards and debit cards in the last couple of years. Now you can go up there and just take them out and touch the scanner. You don't even have to insert it or swipe it. The technology exists. Because what happens? Through the mark, people have to take the mark in their head or on their right hand so that they might buy or sell. Antichrist takes total control of the economy, which means... To buy food, you have to have the mark. To get fuel for your vehicle, 
you have to have the mark. To buy anything on the internet, you have to have the mark. So what's he going to do? He's going to control all the banks. And if you don't take the mark, you're killed. Total control. That's what this means. He's going to have total control over everybody. And the technology exists already for that to take place. Just within the last 10 years, it exists. But then look at what it says. If you take the mark, it's all over. That's what we're going to see. There is absolutely no way for you to be saved if you take the mark. Because you've sided with Satan, the enemy of God. Look at chapter 14, verses 9 through 13, what it says. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image and whoever, whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. So if you take the mark, it's over. You're automatically damned hell with no chance of salvation. Think about that. You take the mark, you can't be saved. Even if you wanted to be saved, you take the mark, you can't be saved. Because now, at this point of the tribulation, it's now coming down to a choice. You either choose to follow God and you pay with your life or you choose to follow the Antichrist and you pay for eternity. Now it's a choice. What they do. And if they take the mark, they're automatically damned to hell. With no chance of redemption. So what we see in these verses is more about the Antichrist and the false prophet and how they take total control over everything. And again, this happens at the midpoint of the tribulation when he starts to, to pretty much take control. And this is leading into the great tribulation. So what you can... What you can 
say is, is the Great Tribulation begins once the Antichrist is indwelt by Satan and declares himself to be God. That's the beginning of the Great Tribulation because the vile judgments are about to start taking place. And this is where pretty much half of who remains dies on the earth. So we're getting into the Great Tribulation here. And we also see why the angel in chapter 12, verse 13, said, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. He you know, declares that woe on the earth because of Satan coming down, having great wrath, and pretty much taking control. Let's stand for prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you, just thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your word, and that we can just learn from your word. Just be with us, Lord, as we go into this time of invitation, and help us, Lord, just to look to you for guidance. We just ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Number 280, Jesus, keep me.